Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another installment of Healing Hope and Restoration podcast. And I'm Howard Love. And I'm Tiffany Jordan. And Tiffany, we're talking today about chronic stress post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said a little bit about that in our very first podcast, but today we want to just talk a little bit about the fallout of COVID and how that has had a domino effect on the way that people operate socially and emotionally. Absolutely. I was thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about in this podcast on the way here. And, you know, I was likening, you know, the fallout from COVID to, you know, the cleanup after a natural disaster. You don't quite know all the things that are broken, everything that's going to need to be rebuilt and, you know, the cost. And it seems like as you're digging through the rubble, trying to pick up pieces, you're finding, um, you know, just how much it's cost you. And you might question, you know, what are we going to do now? And I've been thinking for a long time that, you know, as a world, not just, you know, our country, um, we really need to heal from the fallout of COVID. Yeah, not in our lifetimes could we have imagined the social and emotional isolation that COVID brought. Um, It was traumatic. Mm -hmm. Everything shut down. You can't go to work. Uh, You basically couldn't go to, um, you know, fast food restaurants or any restaurant at all. You had to order and pick it up. Um, You know, grocery stores were still open, but I remember the little shopping that I did and and that we didn't have it delivered is that I'm walking down the aisles. It just seemed like there was a hollow look in people's faces Mm. as if they just couldn't believe this was happening. Mm. And um, for a society that has never had to deal with something like that, let alone the rest of the world, Mm. um, we didn't know what to do with it. We couldn't travel. Um, even traveling state to state was an adventure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you uh, were urged not to do that. So I think also, Tiffany, for the first time in our nation's history, it kind of felt like um, this pandemic had given the government a license to control what we do. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it was like that, but it was perceived that way for sure. And that will stir up a lot of feelings. When our whole way of life is changed, what do we do with that? So let's talk a little bit about the fallout from that and even maybe what we've seen um, in our work with clients in our office. Yeah. So like one of the things that people have said to me is, um, one, it's just so hard to go out in public and sit with people and know what to talk about. (laughs) Now, that was initially, maybe that's getting better, but, you know, many clients were talking about, uh, what do I talk about? Mm -hmm. I've been home by myself. I've been doing, you know, work from home, telephone or Zoom, and uh, I haven't interacted with people on a social basis. What is that like? It feels awkward. What are the rules of engagement? Do I keep my mask on? Can I take my mask off? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, those things we never thought of before. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have a couple of friends uh, that we've known for 35 years, and it was 16, 17 months before we got together, and we usually get together once a month. Mm -hmm. That was strange re-engaging, even knowing them all those years, Mm -hmm. uh, because there was, you know, this 
isolation for so long. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think we can underestimate the toll that's taken in terms of the frustration it creates in people. You know, anxiety generally breeds frustration, and frustration turned inward becomes anger, and anger then gets expressed in a lot of different ways when we feel stymied, frustrated from reaching our goals, or if our normal pattern of life has been disrupted. Absolutely. What about individuals who have been working from home for, you know, over the entire course of this pandemic, and now they're returning to their offices for the very first time they've had their personal space? Um, You've gotten to use your own bathroom. You can go to the, your refrigerator whenever you want to. It, and maybe, you know, you no longer have to dress up. You could have worn sweats when you were at home, and now you're back to the routine of being in an office setting. Yeah, and I think the, the acclimation for that is going to be difficult for some. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, you get so used to, I, I kid, when I work from home, I have a 10-second commute from my den to my bathroom. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Uh, and, and you don't have to wait in line because it's yours. <laughs> exactly. I never have to wait. I never have to go find one. It's open. And uh, so, yeah, I think I think that adjustment back into uh, work culture, you know, is, is an issue. I remember when we were all still working because we weren't shut down. We were considered mm-hmm. vital. So we were. That when we were doing telehealth exclusively, during March of 2020 through April and May. What was strange about that is that I might go most of the day without seeing you or any other colleague mm-hmm. because we're just in our office all the time. Yeah. You might get a coffee, you might use the restroom, you're back in your office. And so not congregating in the break room and seeing one another, that, was, that took a toll on me mm-hmm. because those social interactions we have in our work culture are vital to our own mental health as well. And, and for a while there, we didn't have that. We were just all isolated in our offices. It's a very strange feeling. It was, and there was almost like a, a fear of each other. It's like if I get too close to you or you get too close to me, then you know you could potentially breathe on me and I could potentially get sick or I could do something that results in you getting sick and then it being passed on to our loved ones. And so there was this, you know, a lot of anxiety that comes from the isolation of it, but also this extra layer of oh my goodness, what am I going to do if I am in close mm-hmm. proximity to you? Yeah, if anybody clears their throat, <laughs> yes. coughs or sneezes, blows their nose, anything. I am out of here. <laughs> Stay away from me. Get the hazmat suit. Spray down the room. Yeah, yes. I mean, it created all kinds of feelings like that mm-hmm. that that did make us somewhat fearful. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to get it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to get it, but I got it. I didn't want to. I, I got it, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, we survived and, and we made it through it. Yes, we are thankful. But, I, you know, I think that as we're talking about this, that there's another thing that, that's come up that I've paid close attention to. Well, actually, two things. One, how drinking has increased. Mm-hmm. I've read some real-time studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, people working at home have increased their drinking. Social drinkers becoming more daily drinkers Mm -hmm. um, and borderline dangerous on becoming somewhat dependent on it. Mm -hmm. 
And then the the anger that's demonstrated through road rage or through having to wait in lines more in public, it just seems like anger and drinking have uh, been two very clear fallout issues from the isolation and the pandemic and how that's affected us. Absolutely. Statistics are definitely showing that. And, you know, in a future podcast, we are going to talk more about addiction and um, how that's, you know, increased pretty significantly over the course of the pandemic. Um, I've said for a long time that, you know, anyone can become addicted to a substance or even a behavior. And um, I also think in treatment, one of the most effective um, tools is connection. Because oftentimes um, our, the drug or the alcohol or the substance or whatever that may be becomes your friend. It becomes a way to calm and soothe, um, especially when we don't have people that we can go to and talk to. Seeing them face to face, you know, that physical touch that's so critical, you know, to our very being. Um, When you don't have that, we have situations such as that. Yeah. And I think the danger in that, and I, you know, I've treated addiction for a lot of years, is that uh, when someone starts drinking alone, Mm -hmm. that's problematic. It's a big red flag. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, but, you know, I, we, at the same time, we realized that, that people were frustrated, um, couldn't even go to church. Mm-hmm. So those of us that were accustomed to that and, you know, one of my, uh, jobs over the years being in a dual career, which I would recommend <laughs> nobody do that, but I've done it, it is to be a lead pastor of a church. And all of a sudden I'm doing YouTube messages from my office on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, weird. I, yeah, you don't get that feedback from your congregation. No. You're not able to see, like, are people taking in what I'm saying? Is Are they needing something different? It's completely missing. And since, as human beings, we're created to be in community, mm-hmm. and those of us who are believers especially embrace that idea of community and connection, and that not being there as well as this other form of isolation that we've been talking about, I think really created a perfect storm for behaviors to emerge that normally we might not even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, not having the accountability, the face-to-face connection, the um, just the worship experience and, and how uh, life-giving that can be every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the singing and seeing one another and embracing one another and shaking hands and doing all those things that we took for granted that were so part of community connection, that's taken away as well. So really, uh, World Society and ours in particular, I think really took a hit uh, when you think about how much worship uh, together in a public setting in terms of how important that is. On the other hand, there's been a lot of people who decided that's how they want to do church now. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of churches, the struggle is, do we keep doing Facebook Live? Mm-hmm. Do we keep live streaming on the Internet? Do we, do we continue this? Some churches always did it. Yeah. And so it's just, you know. It's second, part of the culture. It is. It's second nature to them. But for those of us that didn't do that, and now we're still doing it, I don't know. I look at it this way, Tiffany. Um, if they're not going to go anywhere, <laughs> but they are going to watch the service, that's better than them not doing anything. I would wholeheartedly agree. 
Um, actually, the verse I looked at this morning on the daily calendar I have that just provides me with scripture talks about not forsaking, you know, the gathering together of ourselves, you know, um, as that day approaches. And so I really do think, you know, as we get further as we have gotten further from, you know, gathering together in a congregation, you know, in our churches, with our church families, it's really easy to forget, like you said, the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important, you know, as we're emerging from the pandemic and, you know, picking up from the fallout that we go back to some of those things that were available to us before that were vital supports. We can't forget how important it was. So if you are able to return to your churches, and you know, this is my opinion, and you feel comfortable doing so and the doors are open, I would strongly encourage you to, especially yeah. if that was a source of support and power for you because being in the presence of other people who you know, are worshiping God together is, it is a distinct difference. So, you know, moving forward as we're, you know, again, picking up from the fallout, emerging from the pandemic, what are some things that we can do to recover um, effectively from the trauma that this pandemic has indeed caused? And we can't spend, you know, this entire podcast listing everything that people have gone through because it would be an endless list because I don't know everything. I just know it's been a lot. Yeah. So how do we begin to pick up the pieces? Well, first of all, I think that um, we start with our smaller circle of social connections that mm -hmm. we feel comfortable engaging in right now mm -hmm. and, and rely on those connections because they were very important connections to us prior to COVID. And, um, you know, those friendships are, are priceless. Absolutely. So I think connecting back in with, with your smaller social support group if you have a small group that's meeting again, a lot of churches have small groups, I would say do that. Mm -hmm. um, from a clinical standpoint, uh, perhaps there's a lesson learned here that if we're going to survive something that we didn't see coming, that knocked us off the horse, that blew us away, learning to develop neuroplasticity, the ability to adjust the, the ability to adapt to the unknown, the unseen, the unfortunate, and continue to not just survive, but thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from the ability to have a flexible brain rather than to be rigid and expect the norm when the norm can't happen. Absolutely. And you develop that through, you know, even engaging in new behaviors. You know, when it comes down to being flexible, we're going to have to mm -hmm. explore, you know, how to do things differently. Again, not expecting that everything is going to stay the way it is, because we said in our last podcast, it's not going to. Mm -hmm. Things have changed, and hopefully we can take the best pieces of the ways things have changed and keep those with us. Another thing, you know, that I would encourage our listeners to do is really assess where you are in regards to any, yeah. um, you know, unhealthy habits. We touched on substance um, use specifically, but there's also other behaviors such as perhaps like binging, binge watching Netflix, any other streaming channel, um, which, again, in our culture, we were doing before, but probably went to greater heights during this time so mm -hmm. take a pause take a look at your habits is there anything that you developed over the course of the past couple of years that wasn't present before that is now getting in the way of you re-engaging with life in healthy ways yeah it's stress eating slash overeating mm -hmm. 
um, even you know pornography being used at a greater Absolutely. level. Absolutely. Uh, just because we were isolated and alone. So, yeah, taking a look at those behaviors and saying, hmm, what do I need to do different here? These are a dead-end street. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a Band-Aid on stress. They're not a fix. And, and often, not only are they just a Band-Aid, but they are detrimental to the health and harmony of our relationships. Yes. The other thing I will also touch on is also grief. Because coming out of this pandemic, you know, there have been so many hearts that are that have been hurt and are still aching over the loss of loved ones, mm, you know, that yes. were that just feel very, very robbed. And because of the isolation of the pandemic, grief has had an opportunity to become very complicated. You know, the average person when they grieve, you know, can get through a grieving process or can recover with support. Not everyone needs to go to a counselor's office to work through their grief. Mm -hmm. However, you know, if you do find that you need that, then supports are available. But during this time, it's been worse and it's been harder. I think it's been infinitely harder. Um, I've had COVID nurses on my caseload talk about Mm. um, watching people die alone Mm. or being all suited up and not even being able to hold the person's hand because the family in the early days was not allowed in the area at all. Mm. So think about your loved one dying alone with no connection, no opportunity to be there to say your final goodbyes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it prolongs grief Mm -hmm. Uh, because part of our grieving process, at least in the Western world, um, is designed to uh, help us move through the present and the future. Mm And when you take away the present and you're not able, then I think it makes the future much harder. It absolutely does. You know, Howard, like I said, there's so many things that we can potentially touch on. And as we're picking up the pieces, you know, once again, you know, we're assessing where we are at the moment. Um, and then assessing what we need moving forward. And as counselors, we want, you know, our listeners to know that we are here. We understand um, on some level what you've gone through because we've gone through it with you. Yes. And although some of our loved ones have not made it through the pandemic with us and we, our hearts are aching, um, there, there, is, there is hope and there is space to heal from all that we've gone through. Absolutely. Both spiritually and clinically, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this discussion today. Um, Tiffany and I decided we would just have a dialogue and conversation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we've hit on a number of issues that have piqued your interest and that uh, you will do some introspection and see how you're doing and look in the mirror and check your health and say, how am I doing mentally? How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing spiritually? And uh, hopefully you'll find some encouragement and hope to take the next step and learn how to thrive and not just survive. Absolutely. You are not alone in this walk. We are here to walk with you and hopefully you have family and friends and just other loved ones in your lives that would provide you with a sense of support as well. So we will we will clean up from the fallout from this pandemic and um, by the grace of God, we will be better for it. 
We sure will. Well, until the next time that we see you, God bless and shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.